reading from the book of Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do everything without grumbling or arguing that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. The word of the Lord. One Fellowship family and friends, Pastor Paul here, and I'm so excited to share with you about our way forward as a church family. So let's begin by bowing our heads and offering up a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message is The Way Forward, and I'd like to begin with this question. Have you ever found yourself stuck in life and unable to move forward? Now, this is a little awkward to start in this way, but I need to start with a confession to my mom and my dad. You see, many of you know that I went to boarding school in Chattanooga, Tennessee for all of my high school years, a school called the Macaulay School. In my senior year, I was allowed to have a vehicle on campus. It just so happens it was a brand new Chevy Blazer, and it came with one rule. Do not let anyone else drive your vehicle. Well, mom, dad, I actually did let someone else on multiple occasions drive that vehicle. I'm so sorry. Here's my confession. You see, what happened is one of my best friends, Hayes, owned a Jeep Wrangler. And I had it in my mind that it would be amazing to drive Hayes' Jeep Wrangler all around Signal Mountain, Lookout Mountain, the North Shore, with the windows down, the top down, the mountain breeze blowing through uh, my hair. And so we agreed to trade vehicles on several occasions. And here's the deal, though. My vehicle was an automatic. Hayes's was a manual transmission. It had a stick shift. I didn't know how to drive manual. So Hayes then took me to a large parking lot and taught me how to drive his stick shift. And so we would switch vehicles, and I'd drive all around town. I'd go to this coffee house called the Mud Pie on the North Shore of the Tennessee River in Chattanooga. I would go up to Point Park or even Sunset Rock on Lookout Mountain, and I would rock climb or just spend time up there. And all was great until it wasn't. You see, one of the times I was going up Lookout Mountain, there was an accident on the steep road that goes up the mountain. 
And as we all came to a halt, panic struck because I had never started Hayes' Jeep on an incline. And so as we were allowed to begin going, I could not go forward. I could only go backwards or stall out and jump all over the place. I remember having to wave traffic around me, which in and of itself was dangerous, and I was frightened. I finally figured it out and was able to just go for it and make my way up the mountain and over that mountain and through that experience. And I share that experience because I think it is relatable to the uh, moment we're in. You see, many of us have been used to driving around our automatics with the the windows down, with the uh, salt water breeze flowing through our beards or our hair, and we've just lived the good life until this moment. And it seems many of us, or most of us, are having to learn how to drive a stick shift yet again. And we're stalling out, and many of us feel stuck about the way going forward. So how do we make our way forward as individuals, as believers in Christ, and as a church family? Um, That's what we're going to be spending the next few minutes discussing through the lens of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to see the call of the gospel. And then after that, we're going to talk about our plan of the gospel to move forward. Now, I want to share this. All of our leadership, our staff and our elders, we are embracing this moment And we are united and excited about the way forward. So let's dive in, shall we? As we look at Philippians chapter 2, I believe our big takeaway or the thing that God is calling us to see is this big idea. United in Jesus, we are called to serve and shine for all the world to see. United in Jesus, we are called to serve and shine for all the world to see. So let's first unpack this first point. United in Jesus, we are called to serve. You know, one of the difficult things about doing sermons through this little black box, this iPhone, looking at this little dot is I miss you and I miss engaging with you in person. I miss the congregational participation. I miss calling you out by name, Ryan Roush. I miss uh, inviting you to nod, Faith Sills. I miss um, inviting you to wink, Carly Banks. I miss that audience or congregational participation. It's hard to do via a digital platform. As we read Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul didn't seem to care if people were in the room with him when he calls for audience or congregational participation. In fact, as we look at our passage today from the book of Philippians, a book, by the way, written to the church in Philippi, the first church plant in Europe, a church that uh, Paul loved dearly, we see that he begins with four rhetorical statements in Philippians chapter two. We read... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So he makes these four statements in a rhetorical fashion, and they serve as the very foundation for what he then says next. 
So let's just unpack those four statements. Have you ever experienced any encouragement in Jesus, he asked. Have you ever experienced encouragement through a scripture, through a song, through a prayer, or just even through an experience with Jesus? Paul's saying, listen to what I'm about to say. He goes on, have you ever experienced any comfort in Jesus? Have you ever found comfort in Psalm 23, which reads, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you've ever experienced any comfort in Jesus, Paul is saying, pay attention, this message is for you. He then says, have you ever experienced any sharing or fellowship in Jesus? Be it through a friendly word, a nice smile, an act of kindness, a big bear hug like Gerald Graves often gives. If you've ever received any of those things, any fellowship, then listen up, Paul's saying. And then lastly, he says, have you ever experienced any tenderness in Jesus? Knowing that he, he not only forgives you, he cares for you. He loves you, even right now. If you can say yes to any of those four things, Paul is saying, listen up, this message is for you. In essence, Paul begins our passage by calling out Christians, or rather calling out Christ in Christians. With this foundation laid, he then goes on to make this point. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Simply put, Paul is saying, if we know Jesus, then we'll show Jesus. How? Through a united posture of service. We will lay down our individual preferences and even liberties for the common good of God's family and those around us. And we're not gonna unpack the next several verses um, after verse five, but it, it's known as the hymn of Christ, one of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture. And what we read is uh, we're called to have the same mindset of Jesus who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant or a slave, humbling himself, becoming obedient even unto death. We're to have the same heart of Jesus who bent down and washed the grit and the grime off of the disciples' feet even when they were arguing amongst themselves as to who is the greatest. Yes, we're to have a heart like that, like Jesus, a heart for service. When talking about our united call to service, Nikki Gumbel, the vicar, head pastor of Holy Trinity Brompton in London, he writes this, real love is often hard, inconvenient, 
and costly. But true happiness only comes to those who care about others at some cost to themselves. So as we consider the moment we're in, let me share a metaphor that was shared uh, to me by another church leader. And and I love this metaphor because I think it captures the heart of Philippians 2. And And it involves a car. He said, imagine you're driving down the highway. On the right side, you've got this line. And it says, hey, according to the letter of the law, you're able to do this. You have the right to do this, right? But then on your left side, there's a line. And, and, and that line basically says, but you have the responsibility to care for those in your midst and those in your city. So it's the job of the Christian and the Christian leader to find that balance of listening to the letter of the law, what is permissible, but then also listening to the heart of the Holy Spirit and what is beneficial for those in our church, our brothers and sisters, our neighbors in our city. And so we've got to find our way to move forward and become unstuck, but balance those two things. And this leader was obviously referencing 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 22 through 24, which reads, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And this is what I love about this moment for us. We have the opportunity to be different from the world and show that we're not simply living for ourselves, we're living for one another. And even we're living for those who have yet to join our family. We live as a part of a family saved by grace, united by grace, serving in grace, the grace of Jesus. United in Jesus, we are called to serve. This now leads me to point two. United in Jesus, we are called to shine for all the world to see. This last Sunday, I received a crazy text message from one of you, a young professional. And I'd like to share that text message with our church at this time. Hey, Paul, I don't mean to bother you, but I need your prayers. I just got home from the beach with my dog and some friends. While we were standing there playing fetch, a girl was calling out for help that her friend was way too far out in the water and couldn't get back in as the tide was taking him out further and further. By the time that I got to him, he could barely say any words or keep his head up. So I had to drag him with one arm. When we finally made it to shore, both of us took a good 10 minutes and it felt like an eternity to catch our breath. This whole time he was fighting just to breathe and spit out water. After laying on the beach a little while longer, he finally looked me in the eye and said, I'm the biggest atheist you've ever met. And I firmly believed I was going to die out there. You were sent by someone, weren't you? Paul, I had no words. I was exhausted. Couldn't think of 
uh, couldn't think. And now this was the first exchange he and I had after 10 minutes, not being able to think of anything to say. I finally hugged him and I finally squeezed out. I'm a Christian and you're on to something there. Your life is clearly worth it. And then at that moment, uh, it was over and his friends came to his side. Paul, can you please pray for him? I don't know his name and I never gave him mine, but God was clearly doing something for him with this moment. <laughs> what a story. I love how the apostle Paul puts it when we live united in Christ in service. Quote, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And that's exactly what one of our own did last weekend on Sullivan's Island. Saving a life, sharing his faith, shining like a star to a stranger in need. And that's exactly what God wants to do through our church, in our homes, in our city, in our neighborhoods, in the days ahead. United in Jesus, we are called to serve and to shine for all the world to see right now in this moment. Now, before I share our plan of the gospel moving forward, I'd be remiss to leave out Paul's warning in the middle of our passage. He writes, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. You see, the easiest way to block the glory of God is to let our individual preferences or frustrations divide the family of God. Now, if you're like me, you've probably read this passage in similar passages, thinking that uh, Paul or other writers in the Bible, they're referencing outsiders of God's family. When they write, um, living in a warped and crooked generation. But here's the deal. Actually, Paul is writing a warning to insiders of God's family. He's writing a warning to you and me, our church and all the churches in the world. He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Specifically, Paul's referencing the grumbling of the Israelites as they were delivered from bondage in Egypt and being led through the desert to the promised land. If you remember, the Israelites complained a whole bunch and they especially complained about their leadership and the circumstances in which they found themselves. And so as a result, even though they knew the promises of God, they were never able to enjoy and receive the promises of God and enter the promised land. So what Paul is saying is if you find yourself being critical or judgmental, check yourself and check your ego. It's easy to be critical and judgmental for all of us in tough times. But what he's saying is we are all saved by grace. We all need God's grace. And as we're able to display that grace, the world will see not just see us, but see him and bring glory and bow down 
to him as we shine like stars for all to see. You see, united in Christ, we are called to serve and to shine in the days ahead. So how do we do this? Paul, Paul Sorensen, what's the plan? Let's get to the plan. First, I'd like to say, as we shift from looking at the call of the gospel to the plan of the gospel for one fellowship, first, I'd like to say, I am no expert. I'm especially no expert in global pandemics. Moreover, I believe no good leader makes decisions alone. So over the last couple of months, our team and I have been listening to and learning from leaders in our church, our city, in our country, both in the church sector and the medical sector. Specifically in the church sector, I'd like to say we are so grateful for Mission Charleston, a network of churches across greater Charleston that has held Zoom calls with leaders locally and nationally to share best practices and their findings. On a national level, I'm also grateful for Generis, a church consulting group that has walked with us, as well as the AMIA and the ACNA, as we've drawn from their best practices and findings about to re-engage and be the church through a global pandemic. Excuse me. Additionally, I'm really grateful for our church friends, those those individual churches that we lean on um, and partner with. Um, And there's churches across Charleston that we are individually talking with and outside of Charleston. And we're sharing and praying together constantly about the way forward. Now, on the medical side, uh, we have set up a medical advisory team within one fellowship that consists of several medical doctors. That includes Dr. Dave Robinson, Dr. John Ramey, and Dr. John Maxwell. Additionally, I am grateful for the insight of Dr. Jonathan Noche, a medical doctor in One Fellowship who actually works for the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control. If it's not yet obvious, we are committed to serving and shining in the days ahead through sound wisdom, love, and careful consideration of all in our church and our city. And I want you to know, as I said before, that our staff and our elders, we're excited and united about the way forward, which will happen in four different phases. So let me put down my notebook and pick up this document. You can find this document on our website, It says the way forward, and it talks about the four phases. Can you see it? Carly, Molly, Steve, Kim, can y'all see this? Uh, No worries if you can't, I'm about to read it, but you can find it on our website under the online tab. And I'm just gonna read it so nothing is missed. Below you will find an outline of our plan to move forward as a church family for our weekend worship services. We believe these four phases will allow us to act with sound wisdom, love, and careful consideration for our entire church and city. Phase one, at home. This is the phase in which we currently find ourselves. Families and individuals worshiping apart from others at their homes through our online service options. Phase two, together at homes. This second phase will allow for homes to serve as worship hubs 
for small groups of individuals and families while maintaining healthy social distancing guidelines. Those who wish to make their home a location for weekend worship can invite their friends and neighbors to join them in their backyard or on their porch to enjoy our service at a time that works best for them. Groups will be able to access the weekend service through our website and participate in weekly worship together. Additionally, to supplement this experience, we will be piloting men's and women's nights of praise and prayer through a tailgate experience at our Holy City Collective location or our church land. More information on these nights of worship will be released in the weeks to come. Then phase three, together in smaller communities. Our third phase will allow for individuals and families to take part in worship at our Holy City Collective location. Maximum capacity for these services will be determined in accordance with local and federal recommendations, and additional service times may be added to accommodate the number of people wishing to join us for our in-service, excuse me, in-person services. While we continue to maintain strict social distancing and sanitation guidelines, this will allow for a live, multi-generational worship experience. And then phase four, together as one community. Once we believe it's safe and wise to go back to our traditional model, we will join together again for Sunday worship at our regular times without limitation on the size of our gatherings. So as I shared before, you can find this document and other guidance on our website under the online tab today. Here are some additional notes about our way forward. Because we are a multi-generational congregation and changing our method of meeting, we will be making changes to our weekend service and experience. Our services, our sermons, our songs will be shorter to better serve families and to allow for in-person gospel conversations to foster gospel community. We will be also launching Super Sundays for our kids and students so they can have fun and grow in their faith with us throughout the whole summer. We will be encouraging our groups to flex and meet outside with healthy social distancing guidelines as they are able. And we will be engaging in mission work starting this week throughout our city to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those in desperate need right now. Information will be shared on all of these fronts in the coming days. One Fellowship, I am excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you serve and shine for your neighborhoods, for our city, for our world to see. As I shared with our elders last week, this very moment may be the very legacy of our lives. This moment might be the legacy moment of our very lives. Just like in Acts chapter two, we are being activated by God to bring the gospel into our homes or you know, our backyards, our patios, but into our neighborhoods in a way like never before to serve and shine for all to see. 
You know, going back to the early church, when they did this in Acts chapter two, what happened? Thousands upon thousands of individuals and families came to faith in Jesus. Will it be different? Yes. Will it pose challenges? Yes. Will God show up? Yes. We read where two or three are gathered in my name, lo and behold, there I am with them. One fellowship, let me leave you with two next steps. Number one, say a prayer. Say, God, how can you use me to serve and shine in this moment in history in the coming days and weeks? And then number two, make a plan. Determine if you can use your patio or backyard to become a small worship hub. And then determine what individuals or families from within One Fellowship or from your neighborhood or even workplace, you could invite over to join us every week in worship. Friends, family, united in Jesus, we are called to serve and shine right now, moving forward for all the world to see. We will be moving into phase two of our weekend worship starting next week. So let's make some prayers and make some plans and join me as I close this time in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the challenge ahead of us. And I thank you that you've called all of us to the gospel and that you've called us to serve and shine. Some of us are old in our faith journey. Some of us are brand new in our faith journey. The beauty of it is you promise to be with us when we gather together in your name. So we lean into your grace for the sake of our whole community right now. We lay down individual frustrations, liberties, etc., for the common good of all. And we say, use us, God. Use us. We want to see gospel revival. We want to see a gospel movement in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.